0: This this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.
1: Continuing along on this uh, Sunday morning here on 98.7 ESPN New York. The Pat O'Keefe Show. I love the sound of that. Love to hear more of that here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Glad you're along. 1-800-919-3776 is the number to call. Fun golf conversation in the first hour. Now we turn our attention to the baseball scene. Football, of course, we'll talk plenty about that and anything else on your mind should you want to weigh in and join the conversation. Uh, a statement last night for the best baseball team in New York. And that, of course, is the New York Mets right now. And the record doesn't officially show that, but by the end of the day, it certainly might. As the Mets go out, continue to put more distance between themselves and the Atlanta Braves atop the National League East by sweeping a doubleheader 8-5 in the first game and 6-2 in the second behind another masterful performance by Max Scherzer. You know, Scherzer kind of fell off the radar a little bit when he missed nearly a month earlier in the season. Uh, He has been back with a vengeance ever since. He is 9-2. His earned run average has now dipped below 2.00. I do think it's time that we start to talk about Scherzer as a serious Cy Young Award candidate in the National League. What he's doing at his age, at the stage of his career. I mean, think about Scherzer. 2019, he helped the Nationals get through that playoffs and that World Series and win that franchise's first championship. And he was not nearly 100%. He got through it because he is one of the toughest competitors, not only in Major League Baseball, but in sports. He got through it on toughness. He got through it on guile. He gave Davey Martinez and the Nats everything he had to help get his team to the finish line. Strasburg was the pitching star in that World Series. Scherzer wasn't 100%. But anybody other than Scherzer wouldn't have given that Nationals team what Scherzer was able to give them. But the reason I bring that up is we are three years later. All signs of what Scherzer was going through during that 2019 World Series run, all signs were of somebody who has had a... Brilliant career, three-time Cy Young Award winner, multiple no-hitters, first ballot Hall of Famer, coming to the end of said brilliant career. So the fact that here we are three years later, and this guy is once again in the conversation for Cy Young Award winner in his league just shows how talented he is, how tough he is, and just how great of a player he is. I know Edwin Diaz has been the most important player on the Mets all season long. And he, in my mind, is actually the best pitcher in Major League Baseball this season. But unfortunately, and I don't necessarily like this, but the ship has sailed, and it did years ago, on giving the Cy Young Award out to relievers. I I don't think there's anything that Diaz can do to change that this season. Um, Ironically, I think it was 2015, it was either 2015 or 2016 Zach Britton, I'll look it up. Zach Britton, who's now on the Yankees, getting paid by the Yankees. Zach Britton statistically had as good a season for the Baltimore Orioles that I've ever seen a relief pitcher have. And he didn't sniff the Cy Young Award that year. And that told me right then that I don't think a closer or a relief pitcher is ever again going to win the Cy Young Award. It was 2016, and he finished fourth. Thank you, Tom Bauer, producing the show. Harvey Cruz as well. That was as pristine a season uh, as a closer has ever had, and he didn't win it. So Diaz isn't going to win the Cy Young Award. Diaz is the best pitcher in baseball. Let's talk about the two most important additions to the Mets this season because their fingerprints were all over this doubleheader sweep yesterday. And number one, it's Buck Walter, and I've been saying it all season long, and I'm certainly not alone in saying that. And number two, it's Max Scherzer. And I know that the leadership word in sports can be overblown. There's different ways um, – of leading. You know, I think the most effective way, to be honest, is leading by example. I don't think that Max Scherzer is in the clubhouse giving pep talks to guys after every game or pulling guys together or giving them instructional tutorials or anything like that. I just think Scherzer's number one, the way he competes on the mound. His mere presence, the energy that he brings to the dugout when he's pitching, when he's not pitching. When you see a guy as accomplished as Scherzer, as into the game on a nightly basis as he is, it's very, very difficult not to kind of follow his lead or take his lead. And I think that's just how he is. I don't think he shows up at the ballpark every day. I think he's smart enough to know that he is a leader and that people will follow his lead because of who he is and his standing in the game. But I don't think it's a conscious decision to show up at the ballpark every day. I'm going to lead. I'm going to do this so guys kind of you know fall in line behind me and act accordingly. He doesn't do that. This is just who he is. And who he is is honestly... As good a teammate as I can remember. And what he has brought to that clubhouse in terms of that style of leadership, by example, has been invaluable. Show me a more confident guy in baseball. Show me a more confident guy in sports than Max Scherzer. Confidence breeds confidence. And he brought that to this Mets team from day one. And on top of that... Now he's pitching to a sub 2.0 ERA. Now he's 9-2. Now he's taking the mound in the biggest games of the year. Subway series against the Yankees. Chance to sweep a day-night doubleheader against the Atlanta Braves. I mean, these are the marquee games of the regular season. He's got the ball in his hands. He delivers every single time. So that's the Scherzer component. And then there's the Buck Showalter component. And you know what makes a good leader as a manager? Somebody who is competent. I guarantee you there is not a guy in that Mets clubhouse who shows up questioning whether or not his manager is prepared, questioning whether or not they have the managerial advantage, no matter who they're playing. You know, Buck Showalter, to me, is the classic case of a guy who's always been talented. You go back to 1991 when he took over, 92, when he took over as manager of the Yankees, and he was in his 30s and he was a baseball lifer at that point already. And he was a really good manager at that point. He won the manager of the year in 1992, taking a Yankees team that was the worst in baseball for several years and instantly making them a near 500 team. You could tell right away that he knew baseball, you could tell right away that he knew how to manage, but he wasn't perfect. He didn't he hasn't won a World Series. He hasn't been to a World Series. He had a lot of success with the Yankees. He turned them around. He took an expansion franchise in Arizona, and within three years, he had them in the playoffs. Uh, Texas was a tough situation for him, but then he goes to Baltimore, and he took a team that was bad for a decade and a half and made them into a playoff team. He could never quite get over the hump. He was always, in my mind, the guy who could turn around a franchise. He could bring the horse to water, but he had trouble getting the horse to drink. Now, there is a, there is definitely a place in sports for the manager who can bring the horse to water. You know, how many years were the Knicks looking for a head coach to bring that horse to water before Tom Thibodeau showed up two years ago? So there's a place for that. But is it possible that Buck Showalter is actually something more than that? Is it possible that, yes, he in his 20 years of experience as a manager and a broadcaster and being around Major League Baseball this entire time, that he's improved? Why wouldn't we think that? Players improve. Pitchers improve. Why can't managers improve? You know, Buck Showalter is smart enough to know it, and everything that he says smacks of a guy who knows that he has learned from his mistakes. And I'm not saying they were glaring mistakes, although one of those glaring mistakes, and here's my second Zach Britton reference in the first uh, 10 minutes of the show. One of those glaring mistakes was a playoff game when he had Zach Britton as the best closer in baseball in a tie game. He waited until it was a save situation to bring him in, in extra innings against the Blue Jays, and Britton never got into the game. That was a mistake. But this is a guy who has learned how to, you know, it's very similar to Thibodeau the Buck Showalter reputation coming in. Showalter sat without a job doing analysis on the Yes Network for three years. Yankees wouldn't give him a look. The Mets wouldn't give him a look. The Phillies wouldn't give him a look. You know, Phillies went with Girardi. The Mets went with Louis Rojas. They went with Mickey Calloway. The Yankees went with Aaron Boone. Buck was there the entire time, right under our noses. And one of the knocks on Buck was he is too old school, and can't relate to today's players, wouldn't embrace the role of analytics in today's game. How do you know? All you know about Buck Showalter is he's a guy who's always been good at managing. So wouldn't he deserve the benefit of the doubt that he can alter his approach to conform to the way today's game is played? And it doesn't mean he has to change everything about him. At the end of the day, what players want, what fans want, what people associated with a team want, they want somebody in charge who they have confidence in. They want an adult in charge. You know, Joe Girardi was an adult. Was Joe Girardi a perfect manager? No. Joe Torrey was an adult. You know, Buck Showalter, you walk into that Mets clubhouse, you look into that Mets dugout, and you see that furrowed brow that intense look, the chewing of the gum. You could tell the wheels are turning. You know that your team is going to be as prepared and likely more prepared than your opponent. And you know when there is a decision to be made, your manager more often than not is going to make the right decision. And most importantly, because those are just specific examples, but most importantly, Buck Shaw Walter has set a tone in that clubhouse that this is a championship team. They clearly have championship caliber players. They're 30 games above 500. After yesterday, the record is 69-39. and Remember when the Yankees were running away, by far and away, the best team in baseball? The Mets are a game behind the Yankees right now. For all the Yankees' early success and their historic pace and talking about 116 wins and all of that stuff... The Mets are one game behind the Yankees. And if you're betting right now from August 7th through the end of the season, Mets or Yankees, who you got? Give me the Mets. And we'll get into the Yankees and their continued struggles later. But right now, give me the Mets. There are four upper echelon teams in baseball right now. The Dodgers are the best record-wise. Then the Yankees are four and a half games behind the Dodgers. The Astros are a half game behind the Yankees, and the Mets are a game behind the Yankees. Those are the top four that have separated themselves. The Dodgers clearly are the class right now. Of those four teams, I put the Mets number two. I don't put the Mets behind either of those two American League teams. Now, the Astros are going to get a little bit of a boost from me because of their championship pedigree. And that's a big thing with me in all sports, whether it's hockey with the Tampa Bay Lightning this past year, whether it's basketball with the Golden State Warriors to the Milwaukee Bucks this past year, championship pedigree to me and I think across sports means a lot. So of those four teams, you have the Dodgers championship pedigree, you have the Astros championship pedigree. But just in terms of sheer talent and construction to have a deep playoff run in October, I don't put the Mets behind anybody but the Dodgers. The Mets are in wonderful position right now. They showed yesterday why they're built like a championship team. Today will tell us a lot, because now you have a chance to really kind of step on the throat of the Atlanta Braves. You've got Jacob DeGrom on the mound today, and when you're forecasting the Mets as a post-season factor, you are first and foremost looking at the two guys at the top of your rotation. We saw one of them yesterday, and we've seen him throughout the year. He's fine. Max is good. DeGrom looked really good in his first start. We need to see more. Today's going to tell us a lot as far as the potential of this Mets team. It's not going to tell us everything. If DeGrom goes out and gets hammered, it's not by any means the end of the world. Okay? It'll just be a setback. But if he goes out and dominates and backs up Scherzer's performance with a similar performance of his own... Oh my God, then you just got to shake your head and smile if you're a Mets fan and be like, this is going to be awesome down the stretch. And continue to hold your breath that Jacob deGrom stays healthy. And then the other thing they do, and this goes back to Buck Showalter, they pick each other up. You know, look how yesterday played out. And I said this on the show yesterday afternoon when I was uh, here hosting from 12 to 3. Friday night, the Mets lost. Taiwan Walker, who's been great, didn't have it. The Mets still made a run that night at the Braves. Trevor Williams comes out of the bullpen, gives you four shutout innings to preserve your bullpen, and the Mets close a 8-0 gap to 8-5. They lose 9-6, not the end of the world. Yesterday, game one, they're running away and hiding from the Braves, and then all of a sudden, Atlanta scores three runs in the ninth inning, and all of a sudden, you hear the trumpets, and Edwin Diaz has to come out of the bullpen in a game where you, you should not have had to go to your closer. So after you win the game, and of course he closes the door and shuts out the Braves, after that is over, you kind of feel a little disappointed. Yes, you won, but you shouldn't have had to use your closure because that likely took him out of play for Game 2. Well, guess what? Scherzer ensured that they did not need Edwin Diaz in Game 2. He shut the door for seven shutout innings, striking out 11. They pick each other up. Tywan Walker doesn't have it on Friday night. Trevor Williams picks up the bullpen. You need to bring in Edwin Diaz in game one yesterday. Scherzer ensures that you won't need him in game two and you're still going to win. That is what championship teams do right now when I look at the two baseball teams in New York. And I'm not throwing in the towel on the Yankees. They've got a very comfortable lead for first place in the American League East. There is a long way to go for them, but they are headed in the wrong direction right now, August 7th. 9.20 9: 20 in the morning, I look at the two New York baseball teams. I see one I see one championship caliber baseball team in New York right now. Now there's another that is not that far off and has the opportunity to turn things around, but right now, they are not a championship caliber team. Baseball this afternoon. You got the uh, Yankees in St. Louis trying to avoid the three-game sweep against the Cardinals. Frankie Montas makes his Yankees debut against Adam Wainwright, uh, still going strong, an eight eight record and a three point one one earned run average. That's two fifteen start. Mets and Braves at City Field a little later in the afternoon than usual for a Sunday afternoon game. It's a four ten start. Jacob DeGrom's second of the season. After his strong season debut last week, Spencer Strider and his 2.79 earned run average pitching for the Braves. Mets have won three out of the first four of this weekend five-game series. That was going to tell us so much. And, well, so far it has told us a lot. Today's New York Mets injury report is brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine and Sports Medicine. Tyler McGill still on the 60-day IL with a shoulder injury. The update on him throw. Wing his uh, first bullpen session next Saturday. That's according to MLB.com's Anthony DeComo. Tommy Hunter has been added to the 15-day IL. Dominic Smith remains on the 10-day IL with an ankle injury. He began a rehab assignment at Syracuse on Thursday. And then you have Drew Smith on the 15-day IL with a lat injury. Uh, That is the Mets Injury Report brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine and Sports Medicine. Total Ortho Express is Long Island's premier orthopedic immediate care where no appointment is needed. After all time, it doesn't heal wounds. They do. And all season long, make sure to listen to 98.7 ESPN for ESPN's Sunday Night Baseball brought to you by Nissan. You deserve a car that thrills you, and Nissan's got an exciting full line. That'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill for yourself. Shop your local Nissan store and NissanUSA.com today. Good matchup tonight on Sunday Night Baseball. The top two teams in the National League West, the Dodgers and the Padres. The Dodgers have won seven in a row, including the first two of this weekend series against the new-look San Diego Padres. Padres are 12 games above 500 They are likely headed to the playoffs And they are 14 and a half games behind the Dodgers for first place in the National League West. The Dodgers didn't even do a whole lot at the trade deadline. They are a juggernaut. The best team in baseball right now. But in a series between the Dodgers and the Mets, I would give the Mets a pretty good shot in that potential matchup. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 1-800-919-3776 and start things off with Brendan in New York. Brendan, good morning.
2: Hey, Pat, what's going on? first time you? long time thanks hey uh you know first of all it makes me very uncomfortable hearing a, a long time yankee fan like yourself uh, giving so much respect to the mets it's like uh it's like a reverse juju on this team uh, it makes me very uncomfortable
1: the uh <laughs> from what the, perspective the, from the yankees perspective or the mets perspective it makes you uncomfortable from the mets,
2: from the all mets right. perspective I, all right to hear to hear to hear a yankee fan give this much level of respect i'm, I'm not I'm just not used to it. Um, As they say, I'm just uh, calling it question.
1: like I see it right now.
2: I love it. Uh, the question I have for you is, you know, a week ago, uh, you know, I was looking into Clay Holmes for the Yankees. Uh, my fantasy team I ended up trading for him, and then he ended up blowing two straight saves. Uh, you know, some of the words the Yankee fans were using is, is, a week ago is that he was right up there with Edwin Diaz. Uh, and now in this last, you know, hour, I, I hear you speaking about Edwin Diaz being the best, you know, pitcher in baseball. Clay Holmes uh, – is he, is he going to come back or is this a uh, Ralph Chapman time?
1: Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, Brendan, to see a role Chapman resume the closers role by the end of the season. Now I always, the first half Holmes, numbers out of the bullpen were better than anybody's and Diaz was really good, but Holmes's numbers were ridiculous. But as I said yesterday, You got the sense watching Holmes and his track record or lack thereof as a middling relief pitcher with the Pirates that the other shoe was going to drop at some point. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. That being said, I don't think he's going to revert to the guy who had a 4.93 ERA or a 5.58 ERA with Pittsburgh. I think he's going to settle in somewhere in between what you're seeing right now and uh, what he was before he got to New York.
2: All right, sounds great. And then just one last thing. I know you're into talking baseball now, but this is the year on the PJ Tour of Scotty Scheffler. You heard from me here, here now. That's where we're putting our money these last few weeks.
1: Hard to argue with that. The interesting thing, and thanks for the call, Brendan, about Scheffler and we had our golf show last hour. Um, if you look at the FedEx Cup, what's on the line? Obviously $18 million is on the line for the winner of the FedEx Cup. Just like last year, the – PGA Tour Player of the Year uh, is going to be decided during the FedEx Cup. Now, right now, Scheffler has a pretty sizable advantage over Cam Smith. They each won one major. Scheffler won the uh, Masters. Cam Smith just won the Open Championship. In the FedEx Cup point standing, Scheffler's number one. Smith is number two. Scheffler has a big lead over Smith. On the money list, Scheffler number one. Cam Smith number two. But let's just project over the next three weeks. Starting with the St. Jude Championship next week in Memphis. If Cam Smith wins the FedEx Cup, depending on what Scheffler does, if he's just middle of the pack or worse, doesn't have a good month here, I think Cam Smith can grab the PGA Tour Player of the Year award. But Scheffler right now is clearly the leader going into the FedEx Cup. Let's go to Dale in Queens. Dale, how are you doing today?
0: Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm a little confused about what you're saying and even more confused I uh, hear that you're a Yankee fan you had said that the Mets Well
1: I never, I, I never said I was a well, Yankee fan sorry, I never the, said the I was a Yankee fan The last, last call caller said I was a Yankee fan sure,
0: so. Okay so irregardless you had said the Mets lost the other day 9-6 to six to Atlanta not too bad the, yet, the Mets never led in that game it was 4 nothing at the end of 1 8-1 one at the end of 2 there's no moral victories in sports and as, term, as terms of Who's the better team Yankees Mets? Who's in the they're basically the same team right now. The Yankees are 70 and 38 and the Mets are 69 and 39. They're basically the same team right now. Mets have, have a better record over the last 10. They're 8 and 2 and the Yankees are 4 and 6 over the last 10. But to say one's better than the other too soon and I don't really understand the saying how 9-6 not too bad of a loss. Either you won or you lost. Nobody looks at the score. Well, Records it's one loss. I mean, and what what is, loss.
1: what do you expect them to win every game?
0: No, I don't expect them. Whenever did game. they roll? They, over. they, were, down, they were down. They were down.
1: 8-0. They were down eight nothing. They were down eight nothing in the second inning one. without eight having recorded an out. Eight did you one. want them to? Did you want them to roll over and lose fifteen nothing and and have a, a backup infielder have Luis Guillorme pitch the last inning? No, they battled back. They got back into the game. They lost. They of course they lost. You're they, gonna they, lose games. You're gonna lose at least fifty game. or sixty games a year. It's one loss. They the whole there are game. different they were never degrees of losing. There chasing. are different ways of losing. There's a way to no, lose not. and show that no, you have not. some toughness, that you have some character. No, not. Of course there is. When, have when have you anybody watched look, sports before? When does anybody look at this score?
0: Did you win? Or, is there a win and a loss column and an almost-made-it column? It's a win and a loss column.
1: I I I completely disagree with your point. And and let's get to your other point, which you're also wrong on, by the way, Dale. Let's get to your other point. If you're looking at how the Mets are playing right now and how the Yankees are playing right now, if you had to pick one of those teams to finish with a better result this season, you wouldn't pick the Mets over the Yankees based on what you've seen right now? I just said to you. I said the Mets have a
0: better record over the last ten, and I told you what it was. They were eight and two. But you Yankees said they're even there, right now. Like right,
1: right now, you said there is no difference their between records, the Yankees yes. and Mets. You can't look at the record in its totality. To the I Yankees said. had a huge lead earlier this season, Dale. You didn't listen to what
0: I said. I said I right listened to right every word even, you said. Then, no, you didn't. Let me finish. Let me finish. I said they're even on their records, and the last. Well, they're 10, not even on their records. The, the Yankees have a
1: better record, Dale. I said that earlier, so you didn't listen to what I said. Okay, one They're game. Even. You They're, just told me. Yankees you just 17. told me that the game on Friday night at Citi Field that the Mets lost was an important game. Either you win or you lose. I mean, Either you have a better record or you don't. The Yankees have a better record than one game. So if we're going to get it right, let's get it right. I said to you, the Mets have a better record over the last ten games. I told you that. I said. But that. you said the it. Yankees and the Mets are even. They're not even. The Yankees have a better record. So let's get it right. By what? By They're, one, the yes. Yankees are There's the one game on Friday night. You're right. There you go. That's why Friday night was a big deal at Citi Field.
0: Big deal. They, they chased Atlanta the whole game. They, they never, lost they were one never game. In that they've, game. They've
1: won. Dale, let me ask you a question. Are you a Mets fan or a Yankee fan? I'm a Yankees fan. All right. So you're bent out of shape that the Mets are trending better than the Yankees. It's very clear. No, it the Yankees my were on this the historic pace. Hold on. The Yankees were on this historic pace. I'm not going to hang up on you. And the Yankees have hit some turbulent waters over the last 43 games now. They're a sub-500 team over 43 games. And the Mets are not only just about even with them in the standings, but the Mets are trending upwards. And the Yankee fan is having a hard time handling that.
0: I can tell you this. I, I, I'm a Yankees fan. The Yankees or the Mets or the Giants or the Islanders, they don't pay my bill. So I don't get that flustered over it. I just made a point that for Friday night's game, the Mets are a better team over the last 10 games. I didn't look at the last 40. I'll take your word for it. Friday night, in terms of how I see it, it doesn't matter. You chase, They chased Atlanta that whole game. There's All no right.
1: moral victories. All right. Well, Thank we, you very much for your time, sir. Thank, thank you for the call. We'll, we'll disagree on that. I think there's different ways of losing. I think you could show character in the way that you lose. When you fall down 8 nothing without recording an out in the second inning, and you battle back and make a game of it, it's just part of the overriding theme of this Mets team, that they have character. Mets and Yanks both wrapping up their weekend series today. Again, Mets uh, 4-10 start at Citi Field. Jacob deGrom, his second start back from injury. His first start at home in about 13 months, going up against Spencer Strider, who has good numbers for the Braves, 6-3. And a 2.79 ERA. Yankees were shut out last night by the Cardinals, one to nothing. They're trying to avoid a three-game sweep in St. Louis. A 215 start. Adam Wainwright, uh, still excellent. 8-8, 3.11 ERA. He is 40 years old. He's gonna be 41 years old at the end of this month. Still getting it done at a pretty high level. And the Yankee fan gets their first look at Frankie Montaz, who was four and nine, but a three point one eight ERA. With the Oakland A's, he'll make his Yankees debut in St. Louis this afternoon. Yanks were shut out by Jordan Montgomery and a cast of relievers last night by the St. Louis Cardinals, making the Montgomery for Harrison Bader trade, which I have questioned uh, even more puzzling, at least at the outset. All right, back to the phones, and we go to Matt in Queens. Matt, how you doing?
3: Good, good morning. How are you? Listen, I'm good. How are I'm, you? I'm a hot. Good, good. I'm a hard except it's too hot to play golf. It, it really is. I mean, it's it's not pleasant. And then you miss a couple of shots and you're out there in the heat, you could just mentally completely lose it. Anyway, you know, I'm a hardcore golf guy. I never was a big fan of this whole FedEx Cup thing. I wasn't a fan when they moved to PGA. I understand why they did it because now they have this championship season which begins with the players in March. Then you go through the four majors, and then it culminates with the with the FedEx Cup. It's it, it's too difficult to follow. It's it's too difficult for golf to have a playoff, you know, just and follow it easily. Like, for example, at the last tournament, you can win the Tour Championship, but you're not the FedEx Cup champion. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it doesn't work. And then, like, the PGA, the PGA at least had, the PGA was always the fourth of the fourth majors. Yeah. But at least it had some identity in August. It was your last chance at glory until next April. It was the last chance to get some Ryder Cup points or maybe if you were on the bubble to be a, a captain's pick. So now the Ryder Cup, you know, hinges on the you know, on the FedEx Cup. That that's where the last points are.
1: I agree and with you, in. Matt. I, I agree, especially on the PGA point. And thanks for the call. I liked the PGA and that was their saying for years. Glory's last shot. <laughs> it's the last of the four majors. It's your last shot to win a major championship to become a major champion in the calendar year. Uh, they moved it to May. I think the first time it was in May was twenty nineteen. It was when it was at Bethpage. And I think that was the year that Brooks Kepka won it. Um, and it's stayed in that slot now. It's the second of the four majors in between the Masters and the U.S. Open. I guess just in terms of TV viewership, and that's the reason for everything in sports, in terms of TV viewership, I would imagine that there are more people watching during May on a weekend than there are in late August. Late August, people are away on vacation. They've kind of tuned out for the summer I liked it better as the fourth and final major. I liked it better in the month of August after the Open Championship. Um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily like the placement. The The FedEx Cup, I could take or leave. Here's the thing about the FedEx Cup. the The goal of the PGA Tour was people like me. I'm not a hardcore golf fan, so I will watch all majors religiously. I'll probably watch the Tour Championship. To be honest, I'm not even that much into the players. For me, the golf season starts. I'll pay attention. But for me, as far as golf tournaments being appointment viewing, for me, it starts with the Masters. And it goes through the major season. It goes from the Masters to the Open Championship. After the Open Championship, I kind of float in and out of golf for the rest of the year. Like I said, I'll pay attention to the FedEx Cup. Coming up, um, and I think a lot of golf fans do the same thing. After the final major, which again is now the Open Championship, the golf season ends for a lot of people, and the PGA Tour wanted to do something. Look, the PGA Tour's got a lot of problems, as we know. This live golf thing is a serious threat. We are just in the beginning of that. We're going to see how that plays out next year and going forward. The PGA has already made changes to try to combat that. They are going to have a record amount of purse money awarded to winners next season, especially attached to their premier event. So they're trying everything they can to combat the Live Golf Tour uh, within reason. I mean, there's more money on the other side. <laughs> there's, money, there's more money on the side that is backing the Live Golf Tour. So there's a lot of issues with the PGA Tour right now. The one thing that I do think that the FedEx comp has accomplished, and I said this last hour, Look at the recent winners of the FedEx Cup. Patrick Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth. Those are the guys, right? Those are the guys who you want to see competing for championships. Those are the guys that are going to bring eyeballs to the television set. And that ultimately is the goal. Let's go to Mike in Brooklyn. Mike, how are you doing this morning?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I know you had that angry Yankee fan, Kurt. Don't don't blame him, man. He's just feeling the pressure that all the Yankee fans is feeling. You know that we all about championships and what's going down right now in August, ooh.
1: It, it it could be a premonition of what's gonna happen in the fall. So like I said, stay cool, keep on being who you be. Appreciate you, man. Mike, thanks for the call, man. Thanks for checking in. Yankee fan, obviously. Yankees have some wiggle room. That's what you have to remember. You know, the Yankees have a ten and a half game lead for first place in the American League East. And I truly believe outside of the Montgomery for Bader trade, and I could be proven wrong about that down the line, but outside of that one move that I still don't understand and don't like, I think the Yankees are a better team now than they were before the trade deadline. But let's look at the trade deadline acquisitions. The two relievers we have seen minimally, Trevino and Efros, and they've looked fine. We've seen them minimally. Andrew Benatendi has been awful. He's now two for 25 after making out as a pinch hitter last night. He's been beyond awful. He's been Joey Gallo 2.0. He's also played nine games, so you have to give him a little bit more time. And the main guy who they acquired hasn't pitched yet. He's pitching in a couple of hours, Frankie Montaz. I think once you give this team a chance to get settled with their new personnel, Once you bring Giancarlo Stanton back from the injured list, once you get Harrison Bader back from the injured list in September, and obviously as a Yankee fan, which a caller earlier kindly pointed out that I'm a Yankee fan, once all of those things happen and you cross your fingers that there are no further injuries, I still think that this team is going to be in better shape than they were before the trade deadline. The two biggest question marks right now are Garrett Cole, And Clay Holmes, top of the rotation, back of the bullpen. Those two spots are extremely shaky right now. Take a break, more of your calls as we continue, and we'll get you set for the day in baseball and some NFL training camp talk as well. You could tell the change in feeling among the Yankee fans. Now we got Yankee fans calling me for referring to a Friday night loss by the Mets as just a loss. No good things can be taken from that. No moral victories in sports, that whole thing. What what, what is the Yankee fan worried about a game that the Mets lost on Friday night? Within the series, by the way, that they've won three out of four games. You could tell the tide turning of the fan bases of the two teams in New York. And this is what happens with the Yankee fans. They are so used to being on top, you know, over the last 20 years, 30 years, basically since the mid-1980s, which incidentally is when I started watching baseball and following sports. But for that entire period of time, since the 1986 to 88 Mets dissolved, it's been... Yankees on top the entire time. There have been flashes where the Mets have grabbed the spotlight for a year at a time, a couple months at a time, 2015, obviously the most recent example. But the Yankee fan has had the opportunity to be on top this entire time. But let me just paint the picture of the two teams side by side right now. Yes, the Yankees have a better record by one game, and that is gap is closing fast by the day. Yankees are 70-38. and The Mets are 69-39. and But let's just look at these two teams side-by-side. Starting pitching, who has the edge? Top of the Mets rotation is Max Scherzer. Top of the Yankees rotation is Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole can't get through the first inning against the Mariners without giving up six runs and three home runs. And by the way, that wasn't a blip on the radar like the Taiwan Walker performance was on Friday night for the Mets. Coles was not a blip on the radar. Coles was his third consecutive subpar start, each one getting progressively worse. You start a playoff series right now, who would you rather have? Let's go to the back of the bullpen. Edwin Diaz or Clay Holmes or Aroldis Chapman. Diaz is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Clay Holmes was fantastic the first half of the season. He has run into a rough patch. I do think he'll get it straightened out. He was really good for the Yankees after they acquired him last season at the trade deadline. And he was lights out the first three months of this season. He's going through a rough patch. Aroldis Chapman at his peak went through rough patches. Mariano Rivera went through rough patches. Edwin Diaz, the entire 2019 season, seemed like it was a rough patch for him. Closers go through rough patches. It is the nature of the position. But I don't think it's realistic to expect Clay Holmes to revert to the guy who he was the first three months of the season when he was the best closer in baseball. The Yankee lineup has holes. Let's be honest. They scored three runs on Friday night. They were shut out last night. Aaron Judge hasn't hit a home run in about a week. Aaron Judge and his 43 home runs and his record home run pace has masked a lot of deficiencies in the Yankees lineup this season. Aaron Hicks, Joey Gallo, now Andrew Benatendi, The catcher position, I know Jose Trevino has been a lot better than expected, but by and large, you haven't gotten a lot of production out of the catcher position. Now Stanton is on the injured list. Matt Carpenter has come back to earth. Anthony Rizzo has a back injury and is likely to miss his third consecutive game today. There are serious question marks within the Yankees. Now two things to remember on the positive side. There is time for them to straighten this out. And they have built a 10-and-a-half game lead over the Blue Jays for first place in the American League East, so they do have some margin for error. But the tide has turned about the feeling of the two respective baseball teams in New York in a big way. X.